Welcome to Getaway Day. This is episode 61. My name is Gautam. His name is Mason. And today we're going to be talking about the Cubs rebuild. Um, before we get into that, uh, if you enjoy our podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube. Let us know your comments uh, through the comments and um, a review on Apple Podcasts. And then on Twitter or Facebook at Getaway Day Pod. How are you doing today, Mason? I'm not doing too bad. I'm obviously not in my normal uh, location here, so I'm actually in a hotel. So if the audio quality is not going to be great, not a cool background, eh, it is what it is. So, and you had a, you went to a cool uh, pizza spot for for dinner, right? I did. Uh, so there is a little pizza shop uh, in Paducah, Kentucky, uh, that is uh, it's a New York style pizza shop, and I went in there. And uh, the dude has just an entire wall of just Yankee stuff. And so I, I asked the, the uh, lady at the cash register. She's like, oh, yeah, the owner's from New York. He used to work at Yankee Stadium. Huge Yankees fan. So in the middle of Paducah, Kentucky, there is some diehard Yankees fans. So that was cool to see. A lot of Babe Ruth memorabilia, some Thurman Munson stuff. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff. Nice. So, uh, did you see that the captain, Derek Jeter, joined Twitter finally? I did. I did <laughs> see that. I didn't listen to the video, but I think there, he put a video on there, didn't he? Oh, I didn't see that. But he got, like, thousands of followers within the first, like, ten minutes. See, I don't know if he's going to be as cool of a follow initially as a guy like Joey Votto when he first started. Because, like, oh, Joey no. Votto got social media and was just, like, a god at social media. Yeah, he's the best. I feel like Jeter's just going to be kind of vanilla and boring. Which is his M.O. kind of. That's the way he always was. It, that, this is true. So, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, though. All right, so we're going to start off our conversation today talking about the Phillies. And the Phillies are having a really tough time. Their plan of going all in on their offense and just kind of saying, we don't care about defense. We don't really care about run prevention in general. Our bullpen's really not that great. We're just going to try to out-hit everybody. And they made some big big ticket uh, additions to their roster with Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Um, and then they already had JT Real Muto and um, who am I missing? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, yeah. So these guys are supposed to be studs. Bryce is playing like a stud. The other three guys not so much they're playing okay but they're not nearly the near the top in offense in the league at this point yeah and then they're getting contributions from guys like Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm but nothing that's like earth-shatteringly amazing and yeah this this Phillies team was supposed to be one of the best hitting teams in the league Go ahead and venture a guess as to where they rank as far as team offensive war. Uh, I'd say they're probably just outside the top 10. They're a lot farther down than that. Really? Let's just say they're below a team that we're going to be talking about here at length today. Really? They're below the Cubs? They're below the Cubs. They are 20th overall. Wow. With 5.1 team offensive war. Um, I just from looking at it, their strikeout rate is above average. Their team average is, let me resort this real quick. 
above average as in like better or worse? Worse. Okay. Um, now their their team batting average is just outside the top ten at two forty four. Their team slugging, which I think is where this team is supposed to succeed, is top ten at four oh one. But they're so underwhelming and I don't really know why. Like they seem to be hitting the ball from an average standpoint and a slug standpoint, at least compared to other teams. But they have the eighth highest strikeout rate in the majors. Yeah. As a team. Is is that part of the problem? Like, I mean, I think that was kind of to be expected when you have guys like Schwarber and Hoskins. They just inherently strike out a lot. It's just part of their games. Yeah, and they're twentieth as far as walk rate. So Yeah, that's surprising. I would have expected a lot more than that. Um, and then today we got the news that Gene Segura is going to be out for an extended period of time. I, I guess he broke his finger. So really competent player for the Phillies. They're going to have to replace him. And I have zero clue who's going to be playing second base now for that so team. So probably Bryson, right? Yeah, something or, like that. It'll be Camargo playing Nick shortstop. Or something. Who's that? Nick Maton. They might give him another shot like they did last year. Could be, yeah. So... Yeah, and I've been watching this Phillies Giants series, and it has been like really like I, I usually don't like to overstate the psychological aspects, even though I understand that they matter a lot. But when you watch the Phillies, they do not look like they're having that much fun playing baseball. Like they look like they're doing work. And I don't know what's wrong with them right now. So confirmed, Nick Maton was recalled today. So uh, he was the corresponding move with Gene Segura going on the I.L. Okay. So it sounds like that might be part of the solution. Um, Granted, it's not really a great solution. Um, It's actually looking like if you're looking at roster resource, which I don't know how much I trust roster resource as far as what Joe Girardi's actually going to do, but they're actually thinking that um, uh, Johan Carmago is going to be playing second, and then Nick Maton is actually going to be uh, sliding into short. Yeah, I could see something like that too. So- Okay, yeah. So we'll move on from the Phillies. We'll see if they can uh, get it together. I hate to do this to you before we leave the Phillies, but you did say that the Phillies would win the division. They were your pick. <laughs> How are you feeling about that right now? Uh, well, <laughs> not great. Not for just that <laughs> reason. Uh, I'm not feeling great about that because someone else is really freaking good. Yeah, that's the Mets. Um, that's, the, that's the New York Mets. Like... This is the first time since 2006 that both the Yankees and the Mets were in first place coming into June. Wow. Yeah. Same series? We're getting a little Subway Series, World Series? The Subway Series, World Series would be awesome. But the Mets are uh, 18 games above 500. They're 35 and 17. Uh, The Yankees are 34 and 15. Like, they are... The Yankees are the best team in the league right now by record. Um, and, I mean, honestly, by run differential, yeah, they're also the best team in the league. 
Um, well, uh, the Dodgers, technically. But that's just because the Dodgers score more. But I don't know. Like The fact that both of the New York teams are good at the same time is weird to me. The fact that the, that the Mets are good is just weird to me in general. Like, how does Steve Cohen just throwing money out there actually pay off? Well, they all the moves they've made. Full rotation. Yeah, that's the amazing part. They're staying afloat, and they're they're not just like they're pummeling teams they're playing. They're scoring like big numbers every night. Basically, they're very yeah. good. They've sco- they've scored the most runs in the league at two hundred and seventy one yeah. on the season. And then they've still given up less than two hundred, which is uh, below the league average so far, I think. But. Like, there's a couple of, like, stellar standout teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and, and the Astros that have only given up, like, 150, 160 runs. But pretty much everyone else is about 200 or more. And so this Mets team, without DeGrom, um, it, is Scherzer back yet? Nope. He's still without out for a while. DeGrom, without Scherzer, they're still one of the better pitching teams in the league. Like... I'm actually curious now that I've said that. Um, they are the 10th best pitching team in the league without their two aces. That's according to team pitching. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably important. Uh, by ERA, they're not quite that high, I don't think. Um, no, actually, they're still 10th. Yeah, so... But, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, I don't feel good about the Phillies winning the division anymore. And not just because the Phillies can't score. Yeah. We, so, we all expected the Mets to kind of Mets it up, and uh, but they're not so far, and it, it doesn't really look like they're going to either. Are they redefining Mets get a Met? <laughs> uh, let's, let's see it happen first, I guess. All right. There's still plenty of time in the season. Yes, there is. Um, one guy that, um, before we get to the hitting streaks, I wanted to talk about last week, but I kind of forgot about him. It's Mookie Betts, who is having an absolutely fantastic season with the Dodgers. Um, he kind of started out a little bit slowly, but in the month of May, he's been absolutely ridiculous. And the stat that I'm keeping an eye on for this season is his runs scored. He's got 50 runs scored in 47 games played. So more than a run per game. If he keeps it up through the season, you got to keep an eye on Jeff Bagwell's modern day record of 152 runs scored in the year 2000 with the Astros. So I, th- I feel like runs are a forgotten about statistic, but if you look at run leaderboards every year, those are the best players in the league every year. So he's always at the top of it because he leads off for the Dodgers with Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner behind him. It's like he's going to score plenty of runs, but let's see if he can do something historic here. Yeah, and like uh, people do sometimes make the argument uh, that runs, the run stat is not really that telling and that important if you have a low number because of guys that um, are batting cleanup that maybe – are driving in runs but not scoring themselves. 
So, yeah, there's going to be guys who are the best in the league that aren't at the top. But if you're consistently on base enough to lead the league in runs, you're probably also pretty darn good. And your RBIs are probably going to be pretty solid, too. So it's like if you look at the combination, they're pretty important in telling. But, yeah. Well, like that's so I think it's actually it's better than RBI because RBI – I feel like sometimes you'll get like a random guy in there at the top. Like I think last year with Adam Duvall had like the most RBIs in the league. He's not one of the best players in the league by any means. He just happened to have a lot of RBIs, but with the yeah. runs, I feel like you cannot find a guy at the top of the list. That's actually a bad baseball player or not like one of the best. That's fair. Um, so actually I'm going to test your theory here. So I've got the, uh, runs leaders pulled up and <laughs> see any bad baseball players uh, the first guy that jumps out to me um, and only for one very specific reason is Miles Straw at 10th and that's just because he's not a big average guy so the fact that he's on base enough to score 34 times and be in the top 10 yeah that's kind of impressive. Like, he's more of a defensive guy to me. But then once you get past him, like, still scrolling, uh, Cesar Hernandez uh, at 23. He's probably the first guy that I'm like. And both those guys make a ton of sense why they're there because they, they both get on base a lot and they both lead off for their teams. And they play yeah. every day. So, But, yeah, but then I have to go to page two until I find another guy that's <laughs> like, doesn't really make sense to me. So I I think I agree with you now. Uh, Runs is important. If you score a lot of runs, you're probably really good. (laughs) Yeah. On the flip side, if you're a pitcher and you give up a lot of runs, you probably (laughs) suck. You probably do, yeah. All right, so um, hitting streaks. I feel like there's a lot of hitting streaks actually going on right now, but the two longest ones in the league, um, Trey Turner and Paul Goldschmidt. Trey Turner, um, hitting machine. He's kind of like the modern day hit king, if you will. Like he has the highest, he has the highest like active batting average. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. And it's above um, 300. He's got a 23 game active hitting streak right now. And basically since he joined the Dodgers, he kind of took it up another level. He's had three different streaks of more than 15 games hitting streaks since he joined the Dodgers and he's only been on the Dodgers for 101 games. Um, so he's kind of doing his thing. Uh, so, uh, Trey Turner actually is fourth in uh, career batting average behind Miguel Cabrera, Jose Altuve and Mike Trout. Okay. So, but yeah, no. So Trey has been, is just an insane player. And looking at his uh, his twenty three game streak here, and, and they are playing right now. I don't think uh, he did not get a hit in his first at bat, um, so his streak is still in jeopardy. Uh, but in the month of May, uh, which I didn't pull this up to only his uh, only his streak. This has six extra games before that. But in the month of May, Trey's hitting three thirteen. Uh, with oh, uh, here we go, 
Um, he does have about four home runs and has had a really solid month. Um, but just the fact that he is on base as much as he is and putting together a 23, potentially 23 plus day hitting streak. Like what's the longest one you could think of in recent history? Well, Trey had a 27 one, um, stretching from last season to the beginning of this year. So. Okay. So he's nearing his own. Uh, is that even his career long? Uh, I think it might be. I'm not really sure though. Okay. But yeah, so like really, really good numbers there. Where I find it kind of interesting is the other guy who has a 23 game hitting streak makes Trey Turner's look just ordinary. Paul Goldschmidt is on a 37 game on base streak, 23 game hit streak that stretches, or the on base streak stretches back into April. And he has been on fire. In the month of May, he hit 404 with 10 home runs. Um, and oh, where was the rest of his line? 404, 471, 817. So that's almost a 1.3 OPS. Like, that's just absolutely insane. He's been, the, I think, the best hitter in the league over the last month. The yeah, easily. Four WRC Got to be right. And what was it that you were telling me earlier about the, was it the WOBA um, chart? Yeah, looking at his rolling WOBA throughout this uh, season. The beginning of it, he was, like, way below his average for the season. And then ever since then, it's just been a straight line up. He's just been playing better and better as the season has gone along. Yeah. And he doesn't show any signs of cooling off either. Yeah. Like, and it's like, that's one of those things. Like if, if we've learned anything from Paul Goldschmidt's time with the Cardinals, when he gets hot, he gets just extremely hot and there's no stopping him for months, basically. Yeah. And he's looking pretty darn terrifying. Because looking back over his, uh, or basically since the 10th of May, just on his um, game logs um, on fan graphs, they give WRC plus for every game. Um, the times that he has been under 100 uh, is four. Four times. That's it. Yeah. Um, he had I remember uh, there was that game where he had like the walk-off homer, the walk-off grand slam. That was the that was the one yeah. game where it seemed like he was having a bad game. He had three strikeouts, and then he comes up and hits the walk off grand slam, saves his day. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That was uh, uh, game one against Toronto, right? Yeah. So he ended up finishing the game one for five, um, with only that grand slam. Uh, if you only hit a grand slam, and that's the only thing you do during a game. Uh, any guess as to what your lead RC plus is? I have zero clue. I've never looked at that stat. 175. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you can do nothing. In this, in this then, batting environment, man, you do anything and you're above average, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Like, he went one for five with, uh, or one for four with a walk in a, uh, and had a 107. Yeah. 
So, yeah, in this batting oh. environment, you can literally, like, kick a ball back at the pitcher and get out and probably still have, like, a one 110. Pretty much, yeah. The one thing about Goldschmidt, he is rocking uh, 400 BABIP, and, like, 18% of his fly balls are going out of the park. So that'll probably not continue. But oh, yeah. Obviously his what run he's done is, is ridiculous. not sustainable, like, for long-term, long-term. But no. he is definitely one of those guys that, like, when he gets hot, he, you, if you're the other team, you just really hope that he just, like, didn't sleep the night before. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all you can hope for, basically. Okay, so I got one more hitting streak for us that will lead us perfectly into our main topic. All right. And that is the hitting streak of Christopher Morrell and the on-base streak of, all, of Christopher Morrell. So he's a rookie for the Cubs. He plays all over the field. Um, he is an absolute delight to watch play baseball. I'm literally tuning into Cubs games these days to specifically see Christopher Morrell play baseball. He, is, who, he gets so hyped. Who, For anyone who doesn't know Christopher Morrell, he's the uh, 21st overall prospect in the Cubs organization. So not, not a top 100 major league guy at all, but a really solid prospect. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's been fun so far. Yeah. It's, it's funny, uh, on his fan graphs page, uh, he's listed at like six foot one forty. He is not that anymore. They need to update that big time. He's kind of like really filled into his body. Very strong. Um, got a lot of like raw power, a lot of speed. He hit a triple yesterday and he was going crazy. The guy loves to give hugs. He is hugging people left and right in the Cubs dugout after every single thing. Can I be his friend? I like hugs. If you see Christopher Morrell play, you will want to be his friend. Well, I mean, I've watched him on TV once and I want to be his friend. So <laughs> Yeah, once is enough. So, But anyways, he's played 15 games in his career now and he's reached base in all of the games. And he's got an active uh, 11-game hitting streak. So, so uh, I, I know um, last year Wander had the 40, what was it, 40-something game on base streak as a rookie. Yeah. But what is the record for since your debut starting it? Do we know? That's a, that's a great question. I don't know. I kind of want to... Remind me to tweet at Sarah Langs because I feel like that's something she would she would know. Yeah, I mean, fifteen is not bad, right? That's pretty. That's a pretty good way to start oh, your career. Yeah, that's a great way to start your career, and yeah. not just fifteen. Uh, fifteen game on base, like fifteen game on base with a two eighty three, three eighty seven, four ninety one slash line and two home runs and five steals. Like that's a really, really good fifteen or first fifteen games of your career, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, and like he seemed like he was just going to be a guy that kind of got called up because the Cubs were dealing with so many injuries. But at this point, he's leading off every day for them. He's playing center field, second base, shortstop. He can play everywhere, and he plays well defensively too. So it's like I don't think he should be sent back down at this point unless he shows like some serious struggles. But let the let let him play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said this was going to be a great transition into the whole topic, but uh, you're kind of right. Because, like, what else do the Cubs really have going on for him right now as far as, like, a really positive high ceiling, or, well, maybe not high ceiling, but, like, 
moderately high ceiling guy in their lineup. Like right now, they've got uh, what thirteen guys on the injured list. Five of them are position players slash hitters. David Bodie on the sixty day, Jan Gomes, Jonathan Br, who are both older guys, um, and then Michael Ermacio and Seiya Suzuki. So take all those guys out. And who does that really leave you with left that, like, is a young guy with, like, that's, that's not just there as a placeholder almost during a rebuild? You got Nico Horner. Some people would say Nick Madrigal. Other people think that he's overrated. Uh, those people are probably right. Um, Ian Happ. Yeah, so let me back up a little bit. So going into the yeah. 20, th- this season, 2022, the Cubs like made a ton of moves. They they changed their roster a lot. They obviously went out and get Marcus Stroman and Seiya Suzuki, guys that could be with the team longer term. And then they signed a bunch of one year deal guys who they could trade if they're bad or if like everything, and I mean everything went perfectly perfect, then they could be like a contending team. And here we are. What's the Cubs record? I think they're like twenty and twenty nine. They're clearly not good they're clearly not competitive all those things did not go perfect not even close pretty much everything's gone wrong for the cubs to this point in the season um there are some some good things that happen but whatever the plan like the plan to be competitive this year was not realistic after having seen this uh section of this initial part of the season and that's not really that surprising but it is sort of sad that we're here on June 1st and people are already starting to write stories about where Wilson Contreras is going to get traded and who who all they're going to trade this trade season. Well, I mean, when we're in June and you're below the Pirates in the standings, it's not really Yeah, it's good. not great. No. Because the Pirates aren't good. It's not like they were just like surprisingly solid this year. They still suck. <laughs> yeah, like, they're pretty bad. They've only scored 166 runs this year. The Dodgers have been the best pitching team in the league and have only given up 154. So the Dodgers have almost given up more runs than Pittsburgh has been able to score. Yeah. And then they've also allowed more runs than almost any other team with the exception of Colorado and Cincinnati. And Washington. And Kansas City. So all, all the really bad teams. Yep. And, oh. and the thing is, like, even where the Cubs are right now, they're clearly not the – they're not in that bottom tier of, like, the worst, worst teams. They're not the Reds. They're not no. – they're not some other teams. The, like They're not all those teams that I just named. They're not the Rockies. They're not the Reds. They're not the Pirates. They're not Washington – they're not Kansas City. They're not Oakland. Yep. But they're kind of the next tier. Yeah. Which and is... I, I do think a lot of... I think they could be a little bit better than they are, but the injuries have really killed them, especially on the pitching side. Um, two guys that they brought in this year just to stabilize the rotation in uh, Drew Smiley and Wade Miley, they've not pitched that much because they've been hurt. Yeah, and Stroman's been on the aisle this year too, right? Yeah, Stroman had COVID, and now he's started to turn it around and started to pitch really well. Um, 
but that's left the bullpen. I mean, the rotation kind of like where it was last year, where it's just not good, not giving them any length, and then the bullpen doing a lot of work to yeah, clean up and, their and mess. They're, and they're trusting some young, unproven arms um, in. And these guys are. This is now their second year of getting regular starts. I think in Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, and they've been doing pretty solid. Like, yeah, they're they, they're both can. So uh, with Thompson, he's been pretty much lights out coming out of the bullpen and kind of pitching one time through a lineup. So he goes about three innings or so, and he he's been really good at that. And I think that's ultimately what his long term role should be. With Steele. He's had some good starts and some bad starts. He's another guy, if they put him in the same role as Keegan Thompson, I think he'd be really successful. As a starter, it's still a little bit unclear whether he's actually going to be able to be a guy that goes six innings in a game. Yeah. And then this other guy that they're turning to right now with all the uh, injuries is Matt Swarmer. Who who is he? Yeah, so Matt Swarmer, he was a a draft pick in like 2016 – Never really a big name prospect. Not, he does not show up on any prospect list or anything. But a guy that's been kind of successful, just throwing a lot of sliders in the minors, and he finally made it to the majors. He made his first start this past weekend. He was pretty good. Gave up uh, like one earned run in six innings. I mean, maybe he'll get a shot now with both Miley and Smiley on the IL. Yeah, and um... – Abbott and Alec Mills on the on the sixty day since the season started basically. Yep. Are either of them going to be back anytime soon? Yeah, so Mills is doing rehab right now, so I think he should be back relatively soon. Okay. The guy that people are really waiting for, Cubs fans, uh, on the pitching side is Caleb Killian, who's their top pitching prospect right now. He's been dominating AAA. He was the part of the return for Chris Bryant last year, so. He's another guy I think is going to get a shot as this uh, season goes along. But okay. with with Miley and Smiley on the IL, that really throws a wrench in Jed Hoyer's plan because those were the one-year guys he had that he thought he'd be able to flip at the trade deadline. And now if they're injured, like he's not going to get anything out of them. Yeah. Um, on the hitting side... There's there's a there's definitely some good things happening. So Wilson Contreras, he's been unbelievable. He's having a great season, not just for for a catcher, just in general. He's twelfth in the entire league in WRC plus. He's got a one fifty six WRC plus. Um, he's been dominating, and then Ian Happ has also been really good this year. Not hitting for as much power as he has in the past, but striking out less than he has before and um, playing way better defense in left field. So I don't know if the Cubs are going to consider trading Hap. He still has another year or whether he could be like a guy that they try to extend after the season. Yeah, I I don't know. It kind of feels like Hap would be one of those guys that would not be a uh, – financial stretch to extend um like he's a good player but he's been kind of uh up and down throughout his his five years um and so i feel like he's not going to demand like an incredibly high AAV. and with some of these guys that they've got and some of these prospects that they've got if they're legitimately in a rebuild i think he'd be the guy that i would keep around 
Yeah, I mean, the, he's he's basically he's really similar to Seiya in a lot of ways. They're the same age. They're both, you know, corner outfielders with power, good plate discipline. Why not build around both those guys? Like, they, they're yeah, good players yeah. to have around. Yeah, because, like, Nick and Nico, and um, Nico more than Nick, maybe, um, they're high upside but contact guys. They're not power guys. They're good defense. Uh, in Nico's case, um, good defense, high contact. You need some power there. And these other guys that, yeah, you have quite a bit of uh, time left with them. Uh, but, like, Peewiz is 31. Schwindel is 30. Like, there's a reason that they're just now in their second year in the majors at this age. It's like they're solid players, but they're not the guys that are going to turn a team around. No. And so, like, yeah, I, I would definitely keep Hap around. He's only 28. Yep. Or not even. So, yeah, so he's still young. Um, yeah, I've just been so confused in general watching this team because they were built really strangely. And then um, I feel like I haven't learned that much about any of these players. In the case of, like, Madrigal, we don't really know because guys barely played at the major league level. And then this year he's been pretty bad and he's not really doing his thing of hitting for average. He he has not played well at all. There's no no way around it. But I'm not gonna like give up on him now. Obviously they gotta they gotta give him more some more playing time, yeah. see what he can do. I mean he's kind of a completely different situation, but it's sort of similar to when you're talking about like Glaber and people are like Glaber sucks. He needs to or he doesn't deserve to be in the majors or whatever. It's like dude's 25. He's still solid. Like he's got time to turn it around and become every bit of what he was supposed to be. And with Magical having only played uh 107 games in his career, like he definitely has time to come around. Like he's only 25. Yeah. Like and he's coming um, off a major injury last year. It's like yeah, definitely part of so, it. So yeah, so it's like cut the guy some slack. It's not like the team is dominant and he's dragging them down right now. Like cut him some slack. Let's see what he can do, and let's rock and roll. So I actually, uh, but getting back to that point about what I have and haven't learned about the Cubs, I feel like the one thing I know now is that Patrick Wisdom is like he's a major league quality player he just has this big flaw that he strikes out like almost 40 percent of the time but he has insane power yes he does so he's been up for exactly one calendar year now and he he's second in the National League in home runs in that span only behind Bryce Harper so he's kind of Like, like a big power hitter there's a reason he was a big prospect for for a long time. Like he was right. a he was a second round pick back in 2012 by the Cardinals, and he was a big prospect in the organization for a while. And he just didn't really cut it with the with the Cardinals. Just I think partially because he was in a position that we really didn't need at the time, and partially because he strikes out a lot. And yeah. so it with a team that focuses or has focused on defense first for the last considerable amount of time. His defense is good though. It's very good. That's true. That That's very true. So I guess it's probably more to the point that like, 
it wasn't a position of need for the Cardinals. Yeah. And so, and then they went out and got Arenado like immediately following his debut in St. Louis, and then he had ended up getting shipped over to Texas. So, like, he's been a really good prospect. So, yeah, he's he's definitely a good player, but damn, does he strike out a lot. 39.7% career strikeout rate. <laughs> yeah. And his walk rate is not equally high to offset it. Right. But you can't argue with 500 slugging percentage, right? Uh, you can't. Um, 306 on base? Not maybe great. Maybe a little bit no. more. You could argue a little bit more about that one. This is another one of those lines that just makes no sense to me because of 2022 baseball. 235, 306, 500. And that's 23% better than average. Yeah. Power <laughs> means everything right now. Yes. Because the ball just keeps dying at the track and it keeps getting caught. So really the only way to score runs right now is hit it harder so it goes over the fence or learn to be like the Pirates and not hit with any power whatsoever and find all the gaps. Although they still can't really score. So maybe that's not a great move. But so, so looking kind of big picture at the Cubs, what do you think is the, the way that they can be a contending team next year? Is that possible at all? It's going to be tough, and it's going to depend entirely on what they do with Hap and Contreras. Because if they trade even one of them, like granted, if they don't trade Contreras and he leaves in free agency, that's going to kind of also do the same thing I'm about to explain. But they have to keep both of those guys around if they want to be competitive next year, because the Cubs do not have a catching prospect that is like, solid and healthy like pj higgins has been um i don't want to say a prospect but he's been a triple a guy and has been up and down a bit the last couple years he was injured last year i think right yeah he had a like a arm injury he missed a lot of time last year yeah and then miguel amaya was supposed to be the next guy but then i think he had tommy john this year or something so he's missed a lot of time so he's kind of off the radar yeah yeah, so they really don't have anyone to fill that hole. If they lose Contreras, they either have to go find a really good catcher. And they don't exactly they... grow on trees. They're not just around. Exactly. So if you lose him, you're kind of screwed. And if they get rid of Hap, like, that's the other like veteran that has like, seen success. Like All the other guys are have seen a little bit of success, but they've only been around for a little bit of time. Hap's been there for five years. He kind of knows that you want that leadership. Hayward is not the guy to no. keep around for leadership. That's the other thing we we know for sure, that Hayward is not good at baseball anymore. Like His time is over. There's zero point in playing him at this point when you've got other guys that we haven't even mentioned today that could potentially be something or at least like quality major leaguers in like an Alfonso Rivas, who's a first baseman, uh, outfielder guy, and then Clint Frazier, obviously former top prospect. you got to see if there's anything there. Yeah, and then if you say screw those guys, I mean your number one prospect is sitting in AAA. Like, 
Brendan Davis is a really good prospect. Him, yeah, unfortunately, he's injured right now, but he is? when he comes back, yeah. Yeah, but, like, he's a top – what is he? He's, like, a top 20 prospect, isn't he, or top 30? I think so. Yeah, something like that. He's number 16 on the MLB top 100. Like, Brendan Davis is a really, really good prospect. Um, and he's, he's just between Jack Leiter and Alec Thomas, if that tells you anything. So it's time for him to get a shot once he's healthy, I think. So Yep. For sure. Why keep Hayward playing? Doesn't give him really the give him the last season in St. Louis Dexter Fowler treatment. <laughs> yeah. And then trade him to the Angels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But No, um, but then Kind of to keep going with your question, though, like how can they be competitive next year? I don't think there's a competitive next year. I think there's a competitive two years from now. Or more competitive two years from now. And that's that's based on the fact that all of the good prospects the Cubs have are double A or lower. Yeah, and that that's the sad part about it. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the timeline for the team. Because they can obviously trade those prospects, but it's sad it's when the when the people are most excited about Pete Crow Armstrong getting promoted from low A to high A. Like people are, care about that way more than what's going on with the Cubs right now. Yeah, it, like there's certain prospects that when that happens, like for any team, it's a big deal. Like when uh, Jordan Walker went from uh, double to triple A for the Cardinals, that was a huge that one deal. at least makes sense though. Like that but guy. It does. Potentially that's, on the precipice the of making the majors. This guy's yeah. literally years away from making the majors. I mean, he's a top 100 prospect, and he's in low A. So, like, it's one of those that it's like, ooh, he's closer. But, but he's not close. He's not. He's probably a 2024 20, guy. Yeah, no doubt. And he's super young, yeah. Like, he's only 20 years old now. Like, he's still incredibly young, but... Um, and Christian Hernandez is kind of the same way, but he's still a rookie ball. So we'll yeah. see when he goes to, to low A. The, uh, but that low A team was just absolutely stacked with like all their top prospects and, and the high A team as well. Like guys like Kevin Alcantara, who they got in the Rizzo trade, Owen Casey yeah. from the Darvish trade is at South Bend. Uh, he's kind of uh, killing James it. James Triantos is at yep. low A, uh, which is, who's the low A team? Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach? All right. Uh, let's see. Jordan Wicks is at South Bend. South Bend, yep. DJ Hers at South Bend. Braylon is in double A. Yeah, he has not pitched in a while, but hopefully he'll be able to make it to the majors as well. And let me, let me just switch to the pitching side of things. So I don't think we can really say that the Cubs can't develop pitchers anymore because of how successful they've been with – bringing up all these guys. Um, most of them are in the bullpen, but they have been extremely successful with building bullpens like internally. This year in Scott Efros, uh, obviously Rowan Wick's been what, there for Why a are bit. you saying Efros? That's just mean. <laughs> I'm sure he's a wonderful person. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Uh, and then we saw Swarmer's debut, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele uh, making good strides. Brandon Hughes, another guy that made his debut this year. So that's been the cool part about watching the Cubs this year. They've had a ton of 
prospects making their debuts. And maybe they'll be good. Who knows? And also Michael Gibbons. Yes. They built a great bullpen, man. They're going to trade all those one-year guys. David Robertson, Michael Gibbons, Chris Martin. Mark Leiter Jr. Oh, he's worth um, zero, approximately. Yeah, a pair of socks. Yeah. Yeah. But but not stance socks. Those are too expensive. Nope. Yeah. We're talking too too expensive for for the rickets. And that's talking dollar store socks. Yes. Dollar tree. Exactly. I love the Dollar Tree. The Cubs have to spend though. That's that's the key. They they did not spend enough this offseason. They're way below where they should be for being a big market team. There's no excuse for this team not to be spending like two hundred million on payroll every year. Yeah, I mean their estimated payroll for this year, so right now, is one hundred and forty-four mil. It should be okay. near two hundred every year. They got, they can what go if, get a star player. That that one hundred and forty-four mil. Where does that lie in the scheme of the division? So it's just above the Brewers at one thirty-seven. So the Brewers don't spend a lot of money. They never really have, and also they have a ton of young guys. The Cardinals are at one sixty-two. Um, which is the lowest they've, uh, w- which is lower than last year. The, I won't even bother looking at the, well, maybe I shouldn't look at the Reds. So the Reds are at 111. The Reds are at 111. Why are the Cubs only at 144? Yeah, it's unacceptable. And, and then the Pirates, surprisingly more than last year, but I think it's all, all based on the. The facts that they gave Cabrera a contract to buy out of eight mil. So, like, yeah, the the Cubs need to start spending some money. And they went out and they spent on Stroman, and they've got Stroman for what five years? Three years. Three years. Yeah. So they didn't really dole out these long term deals, other than the one for Seiya for five years. And that's kind of the problem because they're going to have to either go super high AAV to get guys on shorter-term deals, or they have to bite the bullet and give out the big long-term contract. Yeah. So. So, we'll, we'll see. But, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Because, like, the Cubs should be good. They have the money to be competitive, at least. They have the prospects to remain competitive in the future. But... They're just kind of floating here with the 18th best team or best hitting team, and the I think let's see where are they at pitching wise the 24th best or no sorry I have this sorted by ERA uh yeah the 24th best ERA and the 21st best pitching WAR by a team so their pitching sucks even though like there's some good stuff there. They still overall are underwhelming. Hitting, they're underwhelming. But why? Like, I feel like they could be good if if the Ricketts would just, you know, say here's a little bit more cash. Here, here's a Trey Turner. That'd be that'd look nice for the Cubs, right? Yeah. So I kind of think you guys need a Wilmer Flores. Yeah, even that would be an upgrade over some of these and guys. And Eric Hosmer. Yes, we need Those Eric are your Hosmer. two guys. 
I, agree. I will allow you to have those two. So. Um, the Wilson Contreras situation, I mean, it kind of looks like it's heading towards the trade situation. Hear me out. I have an idea. How's Travis Darno doing right now? Um, fine. Okay. Do you think the Braves would be wanting to upgrade to Wilson Contreras? No, because his brother is better than him. Well, they should trade his brother to the Cubs. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Has help there ever him. been a brother for brother trade? That would be something. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm kind of rooting for that to happen. Now. Did Dizzy and Daffy Dean get traded for each other? His name was or... Daffy? Yes. Well, his nickname is Daffy. Oh. Wait a minute. There was a third? There was a third Dean? You're kidding me. There was not a Ducky Dean. If there was a Ducky Dean, I am going to... Uh. Okay. J. Hannah Dean is Dizzy. Where, where, tell, give me the other names. Control F. Daffy. Daffy Dean's brother was the more humble one. So what is this ducky that is in the... Oh, okay. Joe Medwick's nickname was Ducky. So it's not another Dean. It was just Dizzy and Daffy were the brothers. And then Ducky is Joe Medwick. Okay. I thought there was a third brother that just like got lost to history. All right. Sorry for that tangent. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, it's a bit... Like, just to summarize, it's just, like, a bit unclear what the Cubs are kind of doing here. And, I mean, I think a lot will be revealed at the trade deadline this year. And kind of what – we'll have to see what they do in the offseason. I I just – it's just hard for me to see them being, like, a, a good team next year, unfortunately. Yeah. So, we actually will get kind of an interesting um, – an interesting week here because they do have five straight games with the Cardinals. And so if some of these young guys can show up against St. Louis, like division games are always really competitive, no matter how bad either team is. And it might be interesting to see if some of these young guys can show up and perform in a big division matchup like this. They're going to be going against Libertor, who's young and they've seen in the PCL. Um, Miles Michaelis, uh, which is a really good test, throws a lot of strikes. Uh, Packy Naughton, that's a bullpen game. Uh, Angel, uh, Angel Rondon for game four, and then Wainwright in game five. So they'll get to see a smattering of different styles of pitching. And so this would be a really good series for them to just try a bunch of young guys. Yep, and hopefully Jason Hayward can just sit on the bench and chill out and relax, you know, Hopefully. five games in four days. I mean, they've had not, they're having a nine game week. Pretty brutal. They had a double header on Monday as well. Dang. And they got another one Saturday. Yeah, it looks like, so they're throwing out Matt Swarmer and Mark Leiter Jr. in the double header is the probable starters. 
So I guess the Mark Leiter is a bullpen game. Uh, yeah, he'll probably, he usually doesn't last longer than three, four innings anyways. That's fair. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Because, like, I, I don't mean to sit here and trash the team. I, I do, because Cardinal fans. You can so, trash them. Like, I'll trash them with you. Yeah. But, like, there's definitely good stuff there. There's just also a lot of, like, random crap that just feels like placeholders and filler. Yeah. And so it, it's like Jed's working with his hands tied. And he probably is. Yeah, it, exactly. And, like, you can kind of tell it. Because, like, he's made some really good moves that, like, give you a positive outlook for the future. And then he's also not made moves where he needs to. And I think it's because his hands are tied monetarily. Like, And with, with Jed, I think the difference between him and Theo Epstein is that he's not as drastic about things he's not going to make like a he's not going to swing some huge trade and he's not going to try to fix everything i think in one off season so for him i feel like he's more likely to go through with like a two-year rebuild plan which is which i hate but so i'm going to give you two gms and i want you to tell me which one he's more like okay okay is he more like theo or is he more like jerry depoto He's not like Jerry DePoto at all. Like Walt Jockety. Sure, yeah. I mean, he is like Theo, obviously. They work together, but they're, they have yeah. different styles in a lot That's of ways. Fair. He also is not scared to, to trade people, as he clearly showed last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still can't believe he traded all of them. Right? And he's going to keep going. He's going to trade Willie. I'm going to cry. Yeah, well, you'll have to come to my house for a deadline week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. All right, so um, I think that's all we've got for today. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I hope the Cardinals kick the Cubs' ass during this five-game series. <laughs> very, very likely to happen. <laughs> but... Should be fun. I'm I'm actually going to the doubleheader on Saturday, so it should be fun. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Is it a straight doubleheader? So you get to go to both? No. I'm going to both, but there it's not a straight doubleheader. Okay, it's split. Yeah. That'll be fun. You'll have to send yeah. me lots of pictures. You'll have to I'll I'll, I'll let you I'll log you into TikTok and you'll TikTok from the game. All right. Will do. Thank uh, you for uh listening and make sure you rate and sub- subscribe uh YouTube. Apple Podcasts, uh, Facebook, and Twitter at Getaway Day Pod. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, talk to you then.